You are listening to the Brady Farkas Show podcast. Thanks to Sticks and Stuff and Swanton Lumber. You can always listen to the show live weekdays from 5.30 to 7 p.m. on WDEV AM and FM and streaming at WDEVradio.com. You can text in your thoughts 24-7 at 802-585-3026. That's 802-585-3026. The following is a presentation from WDEV Radio. Fast-paced. Let's not act like Bruce Arians got Tom Brady there. Let, let's let's not do that. Opinionated. I wanted Tom Brady to stay because I feel he deserved to retire a Patriot. I felt he was owed that. To the point. Cam is going to a place that is rebuilding or he's hand-holding for a younger quarterback. It's the Brady Farkas Show on WDEVAM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. What's up, everybody? Brady Farkas show on a Thursday right here on WDEV, AM and FM, WDEVradio.com. Pumped today, short show again. Well, again, slightly shorter show. We get out about 645, 650, then it's high school basketball between Williamstown and Harwood on the girls' side. Brent Curtis is there. So uh, it is a, a beautiful day, though. It was a beautiful day here in Vermont. It's a beautiful day in the sports calendar. The Red Sox have officially reported first workouts in the books in Fort Myers. So yesterday I was pumped because it was pitchers and catchers reporting day around the league. Today was Red Sox day, and I could not be happier to have baseball coming back. Adam Kaufman, WBZ News Radio, will talk about the Sox with us and a bunch of other things, including the lackluster Celtics. He'll be with us at 5.45. We'll get in some thoughts on the Patriots quarterback situation, the trade of Carson Wentz today, and much, much more. Make sure you are subscribing to the Brady Farkas Show podcast channel for some exclusive local interviews as well as the full show every single day. Norwich men's hockey coach Cam Ellsworth was with me today, so that's on the podcast channel only right now. So go through and find that. You can get in on the Napa text line, the Napa Auto Parts text line, locally owned, baby, Waterbury and Morrisville. So the Napa Morrisville, the Napa Waterbury text line at 802-585-3026. That's 585 30 26. All right, guys, let's get to it. Five, four, three, two, one. And here we go. The opening thoughts brought to you by Sticks and Stuff and Swanton Lumber, Vermont's most complete locally owned home center. Locations in Enosburg, Derby, Swanton, Middlesex, and St. Albans, and online at sticksandstuff.com. All right, I mentioned the Red Sox being at spring training and work their first workouts in the book. Same is true for the Yankees who are in Tampa. So let's check in on the Red Sox rivals. Yankees manager Aaron Boone talking about his pitching rotation. As I look at our pitching staff and what I believe is the potential of that staff and the depth of that staff, I think I feel like it's in a lot of ways um, as, as good as it's been certainly since I've been here and feeling like we have a lot of really good options. So Aaron Boone loves his pitching rotation, and look, he's right to say that because he's the manager. There's no upgrades really coming at this point in the spring, so he, this is who he's got. He's right to say it. He's right to have confidence in his potential. But there are, like with the Red Sox, massive questions about the Yankees' rotation heading into 2021. And whereas with the Red Sox, look, if it all bottoms out and they go 60-102, and 102, yeah, it would stink, but it doesn't really matter because they're not looking to win the World Series this year. The Yankees, they need these questions to get answered positively because they are trying to win the World Series this year. So this can't be where three or four guys we have questions about all you know go off the deep end 
and this team finishes with 87 wins. That can't happen for Aaron Boone this year in New York. Text line is open. If you're a Yankee fan, I want to hear your thoughts on this. What do you think of the Yankees' rotation overall and Aaron Boone's confidence in it? So the Napa Waterbury text line is open, 585-3026. You look at the back of the baseball cards of these pitchers the Yankees have, and there is a lot of accomplishment there. Again, I get why Aaron Boone is excited, but there are so many questions. Look, throw out Garrett Cole, forget him. We got no questions about Garrett Cole. As long as he's healthy, he's going to be a stud. But now continue to go down the list. Corey Kluber has barely pitched the last two years. Similar to everything I said about the Red Sox off the top of the show yesterday, do I trust that Corey Kluber is good for 180 innings this year and carries the Yankees to the playoffs? No, I don't. A guy has barely pitched each of the last two seasons. He is not throwing 180 innings this year. Trust me, he's not. Jamison Talon, Jamison Tyon, rather, he's very good. Certainly, he was the ace of the Pittsburgh Pirates, just like Garrett Cole was at one point. He didn't pitch at all in 2020, Tommy John surgery. Didn't pitch most of 2019, Tommy John surgery. Can I count on him throwing 180 innings? The answer there, also no. Luis Severino didn't pitch at all in 2020 because of, guess what? Tommy John surgery. So Severino didn't throw it all in 2020. I mean, this is what the Yankees are right now. They are a team full of great potential, but but also humongous question marks. Great potential, humongous question marks. Severino last pitched in 2019 and uh, threw how many innings did he throw here? 12 total innings. Luis Severino threw 12 total innings. He did not pitch at all in 2020. Domingo Herman didn't pitch at all in 2020 because of an MLB suspension. Now, it wasn't arm issues. It's not injury, but he didn't pitch at all last year either. So look at all the questions that the Yankees have. They have Garrett Cole. They have maybe the best pitcher in all of baseball. That's great. You need an ace. But what do you have after that ace? You lost Masahiro Tanaka, who was a constant for you. You lost James Paxton, who also provided his own set of questions, but was very good when he was on, and he was really good in 2019, his first year in New York. So you lose Tanaka, you lose Paxton, and you bring in Kluber, who has the resume, who has Cy Young Awards. But what is he now? We don't know. He's not a guy who's throwing 200 innings for you. I, I, I would bet my life on it that he's not throwing 200 innings. Talon... I keep calling him Talon. I want to call him Tyon. So Jamison Tyon, he is also a guy who's not throwing 200 innings. He threw 37 innings in 2019 and zero in 2020. Severino, again, he threw 12 innings in 2019 and oh, zero in 2020. And Domingo Herman, zero in 2020. So this is a very, very, you know, good potential rotation, like Aaron Boone says. But is the production going to match that potential? I highly doubt it. A ton of questions there. The Yankees do have some depth, by the way, right? They have King and Loizaga and Davey Garcia. They do have some depth to cover up some of these pitching questions. They do have the offense to outslug some teams. They can cover this much better than the Red Sox can. But those questions still exist. And when you get to a playoff scenario or a pennant race scenario or a we're battling for home field advantage and now we have fans scenario, I don't know that I trust the Yankees pitching to hold up in those situations given the question marks that it has.
and the bullpen for the Yankees is good. The back end is phenomenal. But how gassed is everybody going to be covering for these starters that have all these questions? Araldis Chapman, Darren O'Day, Zach Britton, they're all older now. We can't, you can't have them carrying the torch for you nightly. So Aaron Boone is right to be optimistic, but we're also right to say there's real questions there, and there's real questions that need real answers. Okay, Again, the Red Sox aren't trying to compete, so if it all blows up in their face, then so be it. The Yankees are trying to compete. If these guys with these massive health concerns and what I would imagine are innings limitations, if they don't work out, and the Yankees and win 86 games, they are screwed because the sense of urgency to win this year for the New York Yankees is through the roof. The Yankees need to get to the World Series this year. And I'm not usually an ultimatum guy. I'm not a get to the World Series or Aaron Boone is fired guy. I'm not really that guy usually. But the Yankees need to get to the World Series this year. Look at what's happening around them in the American League. The Red Sox aren't competing this year, so they aren't there to battle with. You've got the Red Sox out of the way, and how often can you say that if you're the New York Yankees? The answer is almost never. The Rays, I still think they're going to be okay. I think they're better than the Red Sox. I think they're a team battling for second or third place in that division. The Rays have gotten worse. At the very least, they've gotten worse. Now, I don't know that they're going to nosedive off the cliff like some of the predictions, predictions have said, but they have gotten worse. The Yankees need to capitalize on a Blake Snell and Charlie Morton-less rotation there, and they need to play well against the Rays and beat them. And the Blue Jays are coming. They are going to be here for a while. So you want to win this year and get out in front of them because they get really good really soon for a really long time. They're, they're going for it this year. I just don't think the young talent's fully going to crest to let them win a division. It is going to do that very soon. You want to beat the Blue Jays to the punch. The Yankees have to get to the World Series this year. I'm not saying they have to win it. I don't know that anybody can beat the Dodgers. If the Dodgers are healthy, I don't know that anybody can beat them. But the Yankees, when you look around them, Cleveland's gotten worse. They've traded away Francisco Lindor. That was a huge competitor in the AL for the last several years. Houston loses George Springer. They lose Justin Verlander. They're still good. They're not great. You should be better than Houston. Okay? The Blue Jays, they're coming so you better take advantage of the window where they're still just a tad bit too young. The White Sox are coming. You better take advantage of the scenario where they're just a tad bit too young. You've owned the Twins, so I, ha I expect you to beat the Twins. And that's where we're at right now. And the Yankees are better than Oakland, who have done some things, but still I think overall gotten worse from they were where they were a year ago. The pressure to win on the Yankees is insane this year. This isn't a couple of years ago. Oh, they're, they're the baby bombers. They're going to grow into it. No, no, no. They're grown now. This is what you have to do if you're Aaron Boone. You better lead this team to a World Series appearance. At one point, the Yankees were all young and cheap. Soon, that talent isn't going to be cheap, and it's not really that young anymore. Gary Sanchez has two years left on his deal. He'll continue to get more expensive. Tyon, two years left, continue to get more expensive. Aaron Judge, two years left, continue to get more expensive. Not only will these guys get more expensive through arbitration, they'll also get expensive in free agency, and you'll have to either pay to keep them or you'll get worse because they'll leave. DJ LeMay, who's 32 years old, still phenomenal now. Will he be great in, five, in three years? I don't know. Giancarlo Stanton, will he ever be healthy and he continues to get older? 
I don't know. So you better do this now. The teams around you are worse. The division around you, the Rays have taken a step back, and the Blue Jays aren't quite there yet. So you better capitalize on this division window where you've still got the run of the place because you won't have it for long because Toronto's coming and Tampa's always there and the Red Sox won't be down for that long. If you are the Yankees, you need to get to the World Series this year. It is set up too perfectly for you to finish you know, as the three seed in the AL. It's too perfect for you. You have to do this. This is the year. There are no excuses. There are zero excuses for the Yankees to not get to the World Series. Again, I don't know that they have to win it, but they've got to get there. Aaron Boone's right. The pitching staff has immense potential. It also has immense questions, and those questions better yield good answers or the Yankees are going to be a massive disappointment, and this is a year in which they cannot afford to be a massive disappointment. It's the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. You know who has been a massive disappointment right now? That's the Boston Celtics. They're 14-14. and 14. They lose last night to the Atlanta Hawks. Is it fair for me to call them a massive disappointment, or can we not really evaluate this team considering they never play together because there's so many injuries? Celtics expert Adam Kaufman, WBZ News Radio in Boston. He's going to join us next on the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV. Now it's back to the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. Welcome back, Brady Farkas Show, right here on a Thursday, WDEV, AM and FM, WDEVradio.com. Joining us as he does every Thursday, our guy from WBZ News Radio in Boston, Adam Kaufman. Adam, how are you? I just watched the new Mortal Kombat trailer. I'm feeling great, energized. <laughs> well, maybe you're feeling more energized about that, and that's good to take you away from what we've seen from the Celtics recently, <laughs> who have just been a complete dumpster fire. But you know what? Yeah. I want to be horrified, and I want to rip them, but I feel like I can't because they never play together. Their number one team is never out on the floor together. The record is disappointing, but can you fairly judge this team at this point? I think it's difficult, and I think that's at the same time an excuse, right? And and we're all prone to it. Whenever we see something we don't like, we sort of forget that everybody else in the league is dealing with the same stuff, and we point to you know certain flaws and say, if this weren't the way, things would be better, and if not for all the injuries and COVID concerns and on and on and on. But you know what? I mean, how many teams have dealt with that? I mean, it, it's fair if you want to look, and I heard Danny Ainge say this earlier today, if you want to look at it and say this team's desired starting five coming into the year has only played 20 minutes together through 28 games, yeah, that's a problem. No question about it. Yeah. You know, the, the Kemba Walker obviously is, is not – fully back in the sense that yes he's healthy out on the floor but you know he had all sorts of shooting issues and all throughout you know after the late start even getting on the floor in the first place the team is is just being you know extra careful with him kind of keeping him in bubble wrap as far as not playing him in the back end of, of back-to-backs and you know Daniel Tice has been hurt lately Marcus Smart is out he's you know the heart and soul of this team Jason Tatum missed a handful of games with COVID admitted the other day. He's not fully back still. His breathing is all out of whack. Jalen Brown has missed minimal time. He's this team's leading scorer. There are, uh, you know, all sorts of different things you can point to, but you also can't ignore that 
defensively, they've been a sieve. You know, yeah. they they have, you know, they're lacking in effort, they're lacking in connectivity, they're lacking in 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 just I don't know, urgency and in and stick-to-itiveness and, and fortitude. They just it, it looks like they don't care a lot of the time out there on that end of the floor. And it's it's ugly to watch. Jeff Teague, who I was so high on as an addition to this team as a veteran backup point guard, has looked like trash. Tristan Thompson has only started to come on a little bit of late, looked, you know, generally bad so far in his time in a Celtics uniform. Uh, I'd love to see more from Robert Williams, who I love, yeah. and he, you know, coming into his own, but, you know, maybe not developing at quite the rate that the organization would like to see in order to, to fully maximize his skill set. Aaron Neesmith is, you know, obviously he's a rookie. I'm not calling him out, but he's only just starting, you know, you couldn't expect what Peyton Pritchard has done, Aaron Neesmith to do that because you couldn't expect Pritchard to have done yeah. that. You know, Pritchard has been a bright spot. Neesmith, Neesmith is, is slowly starting to come along a little bit now, but there are just, there are aspects. Danny Ainge said, our roster is not good. We are 14 and 14. That is who we are. And he took full blame for that. He said, it's not on Brad Stevens. It is on him. It is on the players. It is on the group that he has put together. Don't put it on Brad. And I think there are, you know, aspects of that that are certainly true, but there's no question. This team is not right now a championship contender after trips to the Eastern conference finals, three out of the last four years, they are not meeting expectations. Jeff Teague's averaging five and a half points per game. Um, we speculated about it for a year and a half now, but if Isaiah Thomas plays well in these America Cup qualifiers this weekend, would you replace Jeff Teague with him and give IT a shot? No, because I, I just don't think it's that easy. I mean, you're not just going to cut Jeff Teague and sign Isaiah Thomas. You know, there are cap ramifications to that. Obviously, there are salary aspects that come into play here. So, um I mean, even Isaiah Thomas tweeted recently after just, yeah. I, I think, kind of getting tired of people asking him about it on Twitter for years at this point. He said, look, I mean, that, that, that I'm paraphrasing, but that that book is closed that, you know, that, that we've ended that chapter. I'm not going to be back in Boston. I've, I've given up basically yeah. on, on trying to make that happen. I mean, there's a reason the guy is out there, too. And and like you said, if he goes and performs well in this situation maybe teams do look to him and and give him some offers and there's no question the Celtics need some offensive help they need some more balance they need some shooting help that's why people are still some of them cling to this JJ Redick idea but there are yeah I, I just don't think especially you know I just finished ranting about how bad the defense has been Isaiah Thomas is certainly not an answer on that end of the floor Adam Kaufman, WBZ News Radio in Boston with us here on the Brady Farkas Show, WDEV, AM and FM and WDEVradio.com. All right, Celtics aren't leaving much room for optimism right now. And what is optimistic, though, is that the Red Sox are on the backfields at Fort Myers today. Spring training has started. And look, mm -hmm. I don't think the Red Sox are going to be particularly good this year. But that said, they were given a 47% chance to make the playoffs, which is sixth best mm -hmm. of the American League. So do you think the Red Sox have a chance to be competitive this year? Competitive, sure. Playoff team, I feel like a lot of things need to break right. And, uh, you know, to kind of circle it back to the Celtics, that sort of starts with health, right? I mean, there were a lot of guys that underperformed last year, no doubt about it. I mean, almost everyone on that team had a career worst season. It was just, and I guess if there's a good time to do it, it's during a pandemic year. Um, and, and I don't know, it was kind of similar to the 2019 campaign in that respect. And that was obviously over a full year. It was like everything that could have gone right in 2018 did and everything that could have gone poorly in 2019 did. But I, I think that, you know, if Chris Sale comes back midway through the year and looks like his old self, that's a huge bonus. If Eduardo yeah. Rodriguez, who didn't play last year because of the coronavirus and my, you know, my, uh, myocarditis. myocarditis, thank you. <laughs> if he comes back and he's healthy, 
um, you know, and, and performs anything like the ace that he was the year prior, then that's significant. If some of these offseason additions, you know, free agent pitchers are above average, you know, and I'm not talking stellar, I'm not talking ace material, but if they give you ERAs in the high threes, low fours, you know, that's going to go a long way. If some of these relievers pan out, that's going to go a long way. If, you know, if, if uh, Ranchi Cordero can stay on the field and lives up to a fraction of the promise that everyone wants to attach to his name and, and potential, then again, you know, a big upswing. I, I just think that right now, if we're looking at it and saying, who are these Red Sox right now with start of spring training and the clear inability to answer all those questions we just posed, they're perfectly mediocre right? They're a, I don't think they're a bad team. I don't think they're a, a good team. I think they're, you know, a team that wins between 80 and 85 games. They're, they're, you know, and that's, you know, over the course of a full season, if in fact we get a full season, they are perfectly mediocre and, you know, things absolutely could go well enough to vault them into being a, a 90 win team and, and maybe a wild card team, but they could also, win 75 games or 70 games and we just don't know which way this thing's going to break yeah i think they're a 78 win team i think they hang tough for the first half and then all these guys you just kind of mentioned they're on one-year deals they're going to get traded for prospects and the second Maybe. half is going to a whole lot uglier than the first half that's just kind of how i how i think this season's going to go for the Sox. uh the team that had an ugly season last year was the patriots at seven and nine Friend Great. of the show, Field Yates says Marcus Mariota is the quarterback in 2021. That doesn't excite me in the slightest. What do you? What does it do for you? It depends who we're comparing him to, right? <laughs> if we're comparing him to Jared Stidham or Cam Newton coming back, then yeah, I'm in. Bring in Marcus Mariota. <laughs> if you know, if, uh, I think between Mariota and Garoppolo, if we're to presume Jimmy Garoppolo is in fact available, we don't really know. We're just speculating that he is. I'd rather have Garoppolo. He's at least you know, proven within the system um, and and already has that instant rapport with Bill Belichick. I think a lot of people are sort of running with one good game from Marcus Mariota last year and assuming that he's just back and he's back into not just back, but back to, to the good Marcus Mariota of Tennessee versus the bad Marcus Mariota of Tennessee that got him shipped out of there in the first place. So uh, I wouldn't say it excites me. I just think it's better than what we watched last year. Um, you know, I, I never really thought Carson Wentz was coming to new England and now we know he's not, he's been yeah. traded from Philadelphia to Indianapolis. We know Matt Stafford is not going to happen. He's a Ram. Now we know Jared Goff, if you wanted him, is not going to happen. He's a lion now. And so there, I think we're just, we're, we're sort of at the start really of this QB movement of what is we've talked about it in the past, a fascinating off season ahead here in the NFL. Now I don't think, Russell Westbrook's uh, or Westbrook. I keep always do that. I don't think Russell Wilson is going to move. Uh, Russell Westbrook, he moves nonstop. I don't think that uh, Aaron Rodgers is going to move. Um, I'm honestly starting to think a little less that Deshaun Watson is going to move, but even if he does, he's not coming to the Patriots. He's, yeah. you know, a jet or a dolphin or a, you know, Panther that's out there now. I, I don't know, but I, I'm, I don't know. I'm starting to lean more toward him being back and, in Houston anyhow, but there the question, I guess, and I'm rambling here, but the question is like, who does excite you, right? Like does Andy Dalton excite you? Does Jameis Winston excite you? Does, does Mariota excite you? Does you know, like, who are these guys out there that, you know, does Jacoby Brissett excite you? Like I, there's nobody exciting that realistically is going to land New England next year. I don't think. Who excites me as a draft prospect trading up in the draft, getting into the top 10, 
drafting somebody and getting a young, inexpensive quarterback. And if we're going to bring in a retread, somebody that you're going to sign on the cheap rather than give up an asset for. It's not that I hate Mariota. I hate the idea of giving up something for Mariota and paying him $11 million. If he was cut and the Pats could get him for four, I'd feel a lot differently. Sure. Yeah, I mean, percentage of cap, I don't think his 10, 11 million bucks is a big deal. And, you know, obviously up to 20 million, but that's money, that's cash, it's not cap. So that's not as relevant. You know, it's just Robert Kraft's wallet at that <laughs> point in time. But um, yeah, I, I, I hear you. It's, it, it becomes a, it's, for me, it's less about the money. The Patriots have plenty of money. I mean, they could have made the, the deal for Carson Wentz if they wanted to. Yeah. Clearly, they just don't value him at that salary. You know, Mike Reese wrote about that earlier, but it, it sort of comes back to what do you have to give up? What, what kind of compensation does, does a Marcus Mariota, if that's your guy, what, what is he going to require or more accurately, what are the Raiders going to require for him? Let me get you out of here on this quickly. Um, and this may not be in your wheelhouse, but I'm going to ask it anyways. Tonight, we're all pumped up here locally because University of Vermont men's basketball is on national television. They're taking on UMBC. Winner of the, uh, you know, winner, if, this, if UVM can sweep this week and they're going to be the top seed in the America East tournament. Head coach John Becker has stayed here for a while at UVM. And he's the most winning coach in New England over the last decade. The Boston College job has now opened up there. Um, Yes, it's an ACC school. Yes, it has ACC resources and can pay him a better salary than here. Is that viewed as a good job? They should call him should he listen. So you're right, first and foremost, that it's really not my wheelhouse. But uh, just to you know attempt to weigh in on it, I, I still think that Boston College is a desirable job depending on where you're coming from, right? It's a yeah. stepping stone job, and, and you might – view it as a good job coming from Vermont you wouldn't view it as a good job coming from you know North Duke. Carolina <laughs> you know or, or even like UCLA probably um but it's it's still it's it's one of those things where like if you can be the guy that puts Boston College back on the map and when I say on the map I'm not talking about being even the top 25 team in the country I'm talking about just getting into the tournament yeah. and you know being relevant being in the dance you know winning uh, or not winning the ACC, but like having a long run in the ACC tournament or something like that. You know, you're that goes a long way for for you as a as a head coach to get that next gig at at a you know more prominent basketball school. So it, I mean, make no mistake, Boston College is a stepping stone job right now. But I wouldn't go so far as to say it's a bad job. I think it's a job that you know needs the right guy to recruit the right guys and and have a successful season. And they just you know Jim Christian obviously wasn't the guy, and and there may or may not have been some off court issues there as well. But they you know he was there for what six seven years and yeah. just you know a, a a big losing record. It was like seventy eight and I don't know one twenty one forty whatever it was that it wasn't good. And so. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know who the right guy is. I wouldn't pretend to know, but clearly that's a, it's a program that feels like it's still a little ways off. Adam Kaufman, WBZ News Radio in Boston with us every Thursday at this time. Adam, and we will talk to you again next week. Thanks as always. And oh, by the way, the Bruins are in first place. The Bruins are in first place, but uh, <laughs> when I'm a one-man band, I don't have to talk about hockey all the time. So there you Adam, go. We'll, we'll talk to you next week.
Catch you soon. Yes, yes, everyone, I know. Before you hit the text line, we'll talk about hockey. I understand that. The Napa text line from Waterbury Napa is open, 585-3026. It's also the Napa in Morrisville text line, same number, 585-3026. Thanks to Adam Kaufman. What we'll do, we'll step aside. We'll get an update from CBS News. We'll come back with our takeaways from Adam Kaufman. And seriously, what is going on with the Vermont Lake Monsters? We need to know. I'm investigating in my own head. That's next, WDEV. You're listening to the Brady Farkas Show podcast brought to you by Sticks and Stuff and Swanton Lumber, Vermont's most complete locally owned home center with locations in Middlesex, St. Albans, Swanton, Enosburg, and Derby, and online always at sticksandstuff.com. Now it's back to the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. Welcome back, Brady Farkas Show, right here, WDEV AM and FM, WDEV Radio. Dot com. Remember, high school basketball tonight between Williamstown and Harwood on the girls' side. We'll have coverage for you about 645-650. Brent Curtis will be on the call there. So we go up till about that time. You can download the full show podcast. Remember, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and uh, WDEVradio.com. Thanks to Sticks and Stuff and Swanton Lumber. So uh, the text line is open, the Napa Auto Parts Waterbury text line at 585-3026. Um, it's time for us to have a conversation about what is going on with the Vermont Lake Monsters. I'm all in a good mood because of baseball season, because of pitchers and catchers yesterday, Red Sox today, and now I realize we still don't know what's happening with the Vermont Lake Monsters, and this, and this is a problem. And if you want to get in again, the Napa text line is open, the Napa-Morrisville text line. Here's the thing. Text line sponsored by Napa, Morrisville, Waterbury. They're locally owned. They're, I mean, seriously, they're not a national, they're a national brand, but locally owned. So support them and get in on the text line too, 585-3026. We had heard two independent professional leagues were optioned for the Lake Monsters. When the Lake Monsters left, or lost rather, the Oakland A's affiliation, lost a major league affiliation, we had heard there were two probable landing spots for them. One was the Frontier League, and one was the Atlantic League. And these are independent pro leagues. Well, the Frontier League schedule came out yesterday. The Lake Monsters, they're not on it, so that's out. This is a major issue here. February 18th, we have no idea where the Vermont Lake Monsters are playing. The Atlantic League, I never thought was realistic, and I, th- I still think it's not realistic. The players there are better, so therefore they cost more money. It's a bigger investment. The league is more geographically spread out. There's a team in North Carolina in this league. So I don't see the Lake Monsters wanting to pay you know, all that travel, bigger salaries. I just don't see it. Given how the organization is and given where they're coming from as a low-A baseball team in a small market, I don't see them wanting to pay a premium to be in the Atlantic League. It just just doesn't feel realistic to me. The Frontier League did feel realistic, and they're not on the schedule. So what are the Lake Monsters doing here in 2021? I have no idea. December 9th, they put out a statement saying that they would – work to ensure there would be professional baseball at Centennial Field for several years to come. Well, the clock is ticking. It's February 18th. We haven't heard from you in two months. The season, you know, baseball is in the air, and we have no idea what your plan is. The clock is ticking. If you're going to be a professional baseball team this year, you got to find players, and you got to sign players yourself. 
This isn't the A's are getting players and handing them off to you. You're out recruiting them. You're finding them. You're negotiating with them. You're signing them. The clock is ticking. What is going on with the Vermont Lake Monsters here? It takes time to do all of that stuff, and that's time that at this point you don't have. I mean, the Frontier League schedule starts in May. The Atlantic League plays over 100 games. I mean, you don't have much time here to turn something around. So are the Lake Monsters prepared to sit out the 2021 season entirely in an effort to get pro ball in 2022? Maybe. I don't know. Are they prepared to go the college route that I've wanted them to go all along, if even just for one season until they can get pro ball back? Maybe. But if you're going to do that, we also should have heard by now. Same thing. You need to find players. College coaches are already working on placing kids in summer programs. That is how this works. It's not like, hey, the college season ends on May on May 15th, and uh, yeah, on May 16th, we figure out all our players. No, you're figuring out who these players are now. So if you are a college league this year, you better start to figure out who your players are because coaches are already placing people. What are the Lake Monsters doing? I have zero idea right now. I have absolutely zero idea. I want to tell you I've got some great plan for them, my plan is what it's always been. Be a college league. I think that has worked in, in Montpelier. I think it has worked in the Upper Valley for the, for the team there. I mean, the Mountaineers have had great success in Central Vermont. I think a good college league in the New England Collegiate Baseball League or a good college team in the in a good league, that that's the answer to me. It's always been the answer to me. But they have insisted they want to do professional baseball. And if you're going to do professional baseball – you're running out of time. I don't even know that you have the time, but you're running out of it. Whatever you've got, you're running out of it. I'd like to get some answers on this. I mean, and think about this. I, If I'm the Lake Monsters, I mentioned, are they willing to sit out a year? Uh, I would hope not. That would seem like a really silly economic thing to do because I feel confident Based on everything that we hear from the Vermont administration, the state officials, I feel confident that we will get a summer where we can gather at least in some form. And you're going to have a lot of people who have built up a just a, a massive amount of pent-up energy to get out and do things in a communal fashion. I think the Lake Monsters could be a gold mine this year for them. You have some people who are devastated by the pandemic. You have other people who have made it out okay financially and have saved a bunch of money and want to take the family of four out and go buy champ dolls and buy jerseys. They've been saving up money for a year. And you've got people that want to go on a date. You know, I was thinking about it. I haven't had a, 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 a beer in a bar in next weekend will be a full calendar year. That's how long it's been. People want to go out and do things. If the Lake Monsters play this year, I think they absolutely could have huge success. And for a long time, I didn't think that Major League Baseball, I still think long-term having an affiliation is best. And I think that will ulti- I think that would be the best way to generate fans in the future. But this year, all bets are off. People just want to get out. And if the weather's good and the, the officials say we can gather and we can be outside and we can be around each other, I think people would rush and flock to go to Lake Monsters games in, in any league. 
But the time is ticking. Pro players, they're starting to sign. Independent players are starting to sign. You're not just waiting for a bunch of guys to get cut from spring training. That's not how this is going to work. You need to start grabbing some players now. Lake Monsters aren't doing it. The college route coaches are already placing guys on teams. We have heard nothing from the Lake Monsters in more than two months. I don't understand it. I just don't get it. The Napa text line, Napa and Waterbury, is open, 585-3026. We get one from, uh, let's see here, which one I want to go to. Uh, Nick up in Highgate, all the way up there, who says, Brady, I agree with you. I'm looking forward to going to Centennial Field because I think it will be a safer summer. I just don't know what I'll be watching, if anything. Hashtag disappointed. I'm disappointed we haven't heard yet. I, I just like some transparency. I get it. Organizations are not in the business of discussing every conversation that they've had. But I'd like to know, what are you working on? Did you try to get in the Frontier League and were you rejected? Did you try to get in the Frontier League and it cost too much? Did you decide the Frontier League was not a good fit for you? What about the Atlantic League? I think it's too far and too much money for you to play in. Is that true? Have you considered a college league? Have you considered renting out Centennial Field to men's leagues and youth leagues and letting them play on it? Just what is what is happening here? I would like to know. Two months since we last heard from the Lake Monsters. They're all over Twitter pumping up merchandise and pumping up trivia. They, they still exist. I just want to know what they are playing. Guys, what does the Lake Monsters Twitter account bio say right now? It says professional baseball team in Burlington. Okay, well, I, I don't see a professional league that you're in right now. So as of this moment, they are not a professional team. I would like to know where they're going to be playing. If they're going to remain professional, where are they going to be playing? Uh, Mike down in Montpelier says, Brady, well said. Lake Monsters need to come clean and talk about what their plans are. Looking forward to taking the fans up there. On a side note, I do love going to um, uh, to um, what I just say, the Mountaineers games. My goodness. I, I look forward to going to Mountaineers games again this year, too. They are a blast. So, uh, the community needs it. The community needs the Lake Monsters this year. Uh, they need baseball. They need community gathering. Lake Monsters need to do their best, and I'm sure they are. I just would like to hear more about the process. They need to do their best to make sure it happens in 2021. All right, Brady Farkas Show, WDEV, AM and FM, WDEVradio.com. I said yesterday, I wondered if, or I said Tuesday rather, I wondered if UVM basketball coach John Becker would be contacted and would consider the Boston College vacancy that just opened up. Tim Christian fired earlier this week by the Eagles. I said they should call John Becker. Nobody wins in New England more. I said Becker should listen. I asked Adam Kaufman, who was just on with us a half hour ago, is the Boston College job a good job? How is it? I'm talking about just getting into the tournament yeah. and, you know, being relevant, being in the dance, you know, winning uh, or not winning the ACC, but like having a long run in the ACC tournament or something like that. You know, you're that goes a long way for for you as a as a head coach to get that next gig at, at a, you know, more prominent basketball school. So, it, I mean, make no mistake, Boston College is a stepping stone job right now. Boston College is a stepping stone job right now. If this is the thought process, then I don't think John Becker is going there. Because I think John Becker's next step after UVM, if he ever leaves, 
is a forever job where he can retire. John Becker is 52 years old. John Becker is not 30 years old. I think John Becker doesn't need to be a climber who goes to seven other spots in his career. At 52 years old, there's not a whole lot of time left to do that. I think if he leaves UVM where he has a good situation, where the team wins, the administration supports him, he makes good money, although not top dollar, the team can get to the tournament, and the new arena is coming within the next few years, that's a good situation overall. If he's going to leave it, I think it's got to be a great, sustainable, long-term situation. I don't think stepping stone job is what John Becker wants. I think he wants forever job. I think he wants retirement job, job that he can have until he's 60, 62 years old, and then until he ultimately walks away. I don't think he wants to go to BC, take five or six years to build it, and then bounce. I think he just wants to be somewhere long-term. He stayed here for a long time. I mean, he stayed far longer than people thought he would stay at UVM. He clearly, family was part of it. He had kids in school here. That's that's definitely part of it. But I think John Becker ultimately likes stability in his life. I don't think that um, he wants to uproot himself three or four times in his career. And look, he's 52. Not that that's old. Again, I just don't see him being that way in a personality. I Maybe UVM is the place for him ultimately. Again, he's treated well. Maybe he retires here. Um, I did see some pushback on the text line overnight, the Napa uh, Morrisville text line, 585-3026. Jackson and Colchester said John Becker would never consider Boston College. Why? Why wouldn't he consider it? He may not take it, but why would he not consider it? It's an ACC school. It's a bigger profile. There's ACC resources. It's... There's not as much pressure in terms of here you have to win the league tournament every single year. To get to the tournament, you have to win the league tournament every single year in a one-bid league. At Boston College, all you need to do in the ACC, get to be the top nine in your league and you're going to the dance in most years. Definitely top eight. They're taking eight to nine to ten ACC schools every year. You can just get in the top half, you're going to the dance. So there's not as much pressure. You're allowed to lose games at Boston College and still have a chance to get into the tournament. Why wouldn't you consider that? More money, more national prestige, better facilities in theory, you know, ACC resources, bigger recruiting budget, and you're still in New England. You're not far away from your family. His kids are, I believe, I believe out of high school or about to be out of high school. So if they stay in New England, you are still here in New England. You have a name recognition with high school AAU coaches and travel coaches in this area, with prep schools in this area, and you have a you know, an expanded recruiting base that would help you anywhere in the Midwest and now out west with a pipeline and in Canada. So John Becker, a lot of what's made him good at UVM could make him good at Boston College. Again, I'm not saying he's going to take it if it's offered. But I do think it's a job that he should consider if they contact him. Heck, I'd consider it even if they didn't contact him. I'd be at least doing my research and due diligence on it. But what I don't think John Becker wants is a stepping stone job. I think the next step is his last step. At 52 years old, I don't see him wanting to bounce around in his life. 
he seems to be good with being stable. And right now, UVM has offered him stability. And I think the next place should offer him stability in order for him to go. It's the Brady Farkas show on WDEV. I'll get into one more on Adam Kaufman here, but I do get a text. Hey, Brady, um, what about the Mountaineers? We haven't heard about their season yet for this year. So that comes from an unnamed texter. The NECBL, I have not heard about either. Um, let's do a quick look on that. It, they do have a countdown on their website, 2021 season countdown, 105 days from now. So they certainly are planning on starting, and they have a day um, that they are starting. They have a day listed 105 days from now. So I absolutely have believed that they were going to have a season. They've named coaches for this year already. So, I mean, that's all I can tell you. That While I haven't seen something formal, we've got broadcasters being named. We've got coaches being named. We've got a countdown towards the season. So, you know, right there, that tells me that they're planning on a season. And I believe there's going to be a season as well. I've never given thought to the idea there wouldn't be an NECBL season this year. There's going to be a college season. There's going to be, you know, college baseball has already started. There's going to be a college season. People are going to be able to travel. The vaccine is going to be more widely distributed. By the time the um, by the time the NECBL season starts in June, you know, Dr. Fauci had said by the end of April, we'd be looking at the general populace being able to have the vaccine if they want it. I believe President Biden said maybe by July. So it's, it's in that range where these players could all be vaccinated as well as these coach as well coaches as well as these umpires. So I would believe there would be a Mountaineer season based on everything that we just found in a very cursory search right there. So Lake Monsters, we need them this year. Simply put, if you are in northern Vermont or even in central Vermont and like to go up, we need the Lake Monsters this year. All right, one more thing from Adam Kaufman, because Adam, at his core, is a big Celtics guy, and I love talking about the Celtics with him. And the Celtics are 14-14, and and I asked Adam, can we fairly evaluate this team right now? I think it's difficult, and I think that's, at the same time, an excuse, right? And and we're all prone to it whenever we see something we don't like. I don't think... I don't think we're making excuses for the Celtics. I want to be mad at the Celtics. Sports radio is fun when you come on and just slam people. It's fun when you do that. Like, I get a rush out of slamming people, but I can't slam the Boston Celtics. They're 14 and 14. They literally never play together. Their best roster is never on the floor. Adam told us the amazing stat. 28 games into the season, their projected starting five, has played 20 minutes together this year. Jason Tatum's had COVID. He was out for two weeks. Kemba Walker doesn't play back-to-backs. He missed the first couple weeks of the season. Jalen Brown's been out a little bit. Uh, Marcus Smart's been out now for a couple of weeks. I mean, they just are never together. Every team has adversity. Of course they do. Every team has minimal fans, and they're dealing with that lack of energy. That's not the issue I'm complaining about. The injuries are the issue. And that's why I can't slam them. They're never together. It's not like their starting five is getting beaten up and down the floor. They don't have a starting five right now. And I don't think that injuries are an excuse. We let teams get away with the injury excuse all the time. We throw it out there like it's nothing. The 49ers were ravaged by injuries. We all say Kyle Shanahan's a good coach. 49ers have a good roster. But man, were they injured. 
Jimmy Garoppolo was out, and and Bosa was out, and they lost all their running backs, and they lost Richard Sherman, and this, that, and the other. Perfectly valid reasoning, not an excuse. We let teams do it all the time. The Patriots were ravaged by opt-outs. It's not an excuse. It's just what it is. It's the truth. They weren't as good because they lost good players. The Chiefs in the Super Bowl lose both your tackles, get beat up on, get beat up up front. Not an excuse, I don't think. Just a reason. An excuse is, hey, we had a long flight. An excuse is, hey, uh, I was out drinking the night before. Sorry, I wasn't all there. Um, an excuse is, hey, we don't have a lot of fans. We're all dealing with that. Injuries, I think, are a very valid reason for the Celtics' mediocre play. What I think is the bigger issue is the failure of Danny Ainge to not convince Gordon Hayward to stay or to have a great plan for him leaving. This roster is ravaged by injuries. This roster also wasn't ready for Gordon Hayward to leave. So you either failed in trying to keep him or you failed in replacing him. Jeff Teague hasn't been the answer. Jeff Teague hasn't been the answer. So I I think Adam's right. It's unfair. It's hard to judge this team, but I disagree with him in saying it's an excuse. That I don't believe. It's the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. We, because we have a short-ish show today going up to about 645, this is where we usually do who's saying what. I'm replacing today with crazy Twitter takes. The internet, it's a really weird place. Where'd you hear that? The internet. And you believed it? Yeah. They can't put anything on the internet that isn't true. Where'd you hear that? The, the internet. internet. It's time for crazy Twitter takes on the Brady Farkas Show right here on WDEV AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. Doesn't anyone notice this? I feel like I'm taking crazy pills! All right, crazy Twitter takes here on the Brady Farkas Show. This is one I keep seeing now. This is, comes from my buddy. His name is Chris. He says, imagine having a great player on your team and giving him a dump truck full of money to play for you. He's talking about Fernando Tatis, but he's a Red Sox fan who's throwing a shot at them for not keeping Mookie Betts. So I continue to see Red Sox fans who are upset by the Mookie Betts trade. And look, I get it. It sucks to see a homegrown player traded away. Mookie Betts was your kid's favorite player. Mookie Betts was the guy that you invested years in following, watching develop, going to minor league games, seeing him play at Centennial Field. I get it. I'm not, I understand it. I sympathize with that. Seeing your favorite player or your kid cry because his player left or was traded and you didn't think it was necessary, it's a horrible feeling. I can only imagine how much it hurts when you're a parent. So I sympathize with that. But the issue with Mookie Betts in Boston, it runs deep. And Hyam Bloom walked into a really hard situation as far as Mookie goes. The Red Sox pre-Hyam Bloom had taken Mookie Betts to arbitration and ticked him off and told him he wasn't as good as he thinks he is. They had lowballed him before on multiple contract offers. The bad blood was there. He was going to go to free agency. So Hyam Bloom had a, had a couple of choices. They could have kept him. And last year, given how bad they were, I don't think it would have made a difference. So they could have kept him and risked him leaving. And he leaves in free agency, and the Red Sox walk away with a compensatory draft pick who doesn't help him for five or six years. Then they walk away with one player. 
They can keep Mookie Betts, be awful last season. He leaves in free agency. They get one compensatory draft pick who doesn't help them for five or six years. That was one choice. They could have tried to throw the bag at him and give him $400 million. And you know what? Maybe he would take it. Maybe he would. And maybe he just says, you guys screwed me enough. I'm an MVP. I'm now one year away from free agency. I'm getting, I can get that kind of money a couple of places. I'm going to take my chances in free agency. And then he leaves anyways, and you get a one-player compensatory draft pick. You could have kept Mookie Betts and traded him at the deadline last year, which I, I could have done. I'm a, I'm a fan of holding on to guys and trading at the deadline. But in the pandemic season, with no minor league baseball happening, are teams really making deals like that? Were people going to trade for Mookie Betts? Were people going to give you four or five prospects for him? And you didn't see the prospects because no one was playing last year. So I don't know that that ends up being a great situation. Or Hyam Bloom can do what he did. He can trade Mookie Betts for prospects, rebuild the farm system like we've asked him to do. I've said this a couple of times in the last few weeks. We have asked Hyam Bloom to rebuild the Red Sox farm system. The quickest way to do that is trade some really good players who may not be here long-term for long-term assets. So he gets several prospects there. He gets a catcher, he gets an infielder, and he continues to grow this thing. And then, by the way, Mookie could have hit free agency and the Red Sox take a shot at him again on their own. Now, it didn't get that far because he signed with the Dodgers, but he, he could have hit the market again and the Red Sox could have had their chance at him one more time. Hyam Bloom traded Mookie Betts to the opposite league in a totally different market. I think he did this as delicately as possible. And I think he did, again, all the prospects, we'll see how they pan out. They better work because then we can judge Hyam Bloom. But the thought process is perfectly valid. Mookie Betts probably wasn't going to be here and he was going to go to free agency. So rather than hinge everything on a maybe, Hyam Bloom decided to go for the sure thing. And the sure thing were those prospects. And it was more than just the one compensatory draft pick they would have gotten had they just kept him. Brady Farkas Show, WDEV, the Napa Waterbury text line, 802-585-3026. I get one from Travis who says, Thank you, Brady. This Mookie Betts thing is blown. It's, it's tiresome. You are 100% correct. I don't know why fans don't realize he was going to stay. Not every signing is as simple as back up the Brinks truck. Some of them are, but not everyone is, especially when you've wronged a guy in the process. And that's what the Red Sox have done to Mookie Betts. They wronged him, he felt, I'm sure, or at least his agent felt, that he was wronged in the process. Brady Farkas Show here on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. We will step aside. We'll come back. University of Vermont, nationally televised game, UMBC tonight. Predictions. It's coming next right here on WDEV. Now it's back to the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. Welcome back, Brady Farkas Show right here, WDEV, AM and FM, WDEVradio.com. Big game tonight in the America East. UVM men's basketball is taking on UMBC. First place is on the line for the Catamounts here and uh, and the Retrievers. So um, I believe, according to Alex Abrami of the Free Press, so they're both tied at 9-3. and three. UVM needs to sweep in order to end up with the guaranteed number one seed in the upcoming conference tournament. And uh, 
UMBC comes in having won three straight. I don't want to do it, but I'm predict. I think UMBC is going to win this game. I I don't want to predict it, but I think that UMBC is going to win this game. Napa Waterbury and Morrisville text line 802-585-3026. You can get in there with your prediction. Game is televised on ESPNU. I will be watching it. I'll have a reaction video coming up after on my Facebook page and Twitter account and Instagram story, so you can look for me there. Just search for Brady Farkas Radio and all that stuff, and you can see kind of my thoughts after the game. But I look at UMBC. First off, this game is going to be really low scoring. Like, this game could be very, very ugly as far as I'm concerned in the scoring department. UMBC and UVM each have the top two field goal percentage defenses in the America East. Teams shoot about 39% even between the two of them. Um UMBC gobbles up rebounds. I think UVM is going to have to shoot well from beyond the arc, and I just don't know that they're going to be able to tonight. They were so bad early from three. We have seen them shoot ugly this season from three. They've gotten better as we've gone through, but look at what we've got here. You've got a very good defensive team and rebounding team in UMBC. I think they will have those things. You have UM, you have UVM who just played – on Friday and Saturday, who now has to turn around and play on Thursday and Friday, I think you might get some tired legs after a long trip to Baltimore. And you have a UMBC team that hasn't played since February 8th, so they are rested. They've got 10 days since their last game, a game in which they beat Stony Brook by 12. So it's a rested UMBC team against a more tired UVM team, and it's a very good defensive team in UMBC, also against a good defensive team in UVM. I, I This game, I've got UMBC winning, and I'm going to pick like 59-54. to 54. I mean, this is an ugly – write that down, guys. 59-54, that's where I'm looking at. This is going to be an ugly game. Low scoring and ugly and physical. And this is a rivalry now. Rivalries change every year. I don't know that it will change – you know, I don't know that UMBC will be a rivalry with UVM forever – but for now, they are. Some of these guys on UVM, they remember losing at the buzzer to UMBC when UMBC went to the tournament a couple of years ago. UMBC has beaten UVM multiple times in the last couple of years. I'll say 59-54 retrievers. I hope that I am wrong. I hope that I am wrong. I do not want to be right about this. I've just seen this dance before where UVM now, they're, they're going to be tired. Make no mistake about it. They were on a schedule. They were playing every weekend. And then they were on a month pause. And now I think you're asking them to go from a month pause to four games inside a week. I And after a long bus ride, I just don't think it's going to look all that great for UVM tonight. And they're going to need to shoot a lot of threes and really, really well in order to win. And I just think that today is going to be the day where it's ugly for them. I hope I'm wrong. 59-54 is my prediction. Um, I get one from Joe in South Burlington who says, Brady, I really do hope you're wrong. Hashtag go cats. I hope I'm wrong too, Joe. I want to be wrong. UVM is very, very good. I think they probably do have the most talent in this league. But given the lack of continuity with this year and given the adverse conditions of driving down to to Baltimore and having a long bus ride, I mean, that's got to be that's got to be a 10 hour bus ride. So I think that that absolutely is going to be a, um, you know, a, a factor here. And I, I just think UVM, I think UVM loses tonight. 
text line continues to blow up. Again, the uh, Morrisville Napa text line, 585-3026. I get one from Stephanie in um, up in Plattsburgh, actually, who says, Brady, I hate to say it, I think you're right. Cats have won seven straight. They're due for a loss. You know what, Stephanie? I, I subscribe to thought process like that, too. I don't like thought process like that, but I do feel like sometimes you have just won too many in a row and it just might be time. I don't think that that's really the case here, but I see where you are thinking. And I get a couple more from Phil and Will and um, Marcus who say, Brady, we hope you're wrong. Go Cats, go. hope I'm wrong, too. Cats are going to need a big game out of Ryan Davis. They're going to need a big game out of Steph Smith, and they're going to need somebody else to step up, whether that's Justin Missoula, whether that's Thomas Murphy, whether that's Benny Shungu. I I don't know who it's going to be, but Davis and Smith have to be stars, and somebody else has to be there to be a really, really strong third wheel here. Catamounts can win this game. Make no mistake about it. They can win it. But with that defense on the retriever sideline and everything else working against UVM as far as scheduling, I think UMBC wins this game 59-54. That is my prediction. All right, that's it for the Brady Farkas Show today. So we are going to send you to high school basketball. On the other side of the break will be Williamstown and Harwood Girls. Brent Curtis will be on the call there. So remember, you can subscribe to the Brady Farkas Show podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and on our website at WDEVradio.com. We are well over 100,000 downloads right now of the show. We appreciate all of you. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook as well. Until tomorrow, everybody, we'll be back. Tomorrow will be a great show. Ross Colton is going to join us. He has got the call up to the NHL. UVM product, now with the Tampa Bay Lightning, hasn't played yet, but he's gotten the call to the NHL. Ross Colton is going to be with us tomorrow. All that to come. We'll have a full recap of UVM and UMBC as well. This is the Brady Farkas Show. High School Basketball is next on WDEV.